Credit card debt can be a never-ending game where balances move from card to card while you chase teaser intro rates only to pay balance transfer fees. Put an end to the games. Whitefish Credit Union's credit card has no balance transfer fees and we offer a fixed interest rate starting at just 7.9% annual percentage rate. Even if you have less than perfect credit, Whitefish Credit Union may be able to help. Visit whitefishcu.com or call us at 862-3525 to apply. Whitefish Credit Union, we belong to you. Some restrictions apply. You get the full spectrum of Northwest Montana sports only on 96.5 and 600 KGEZ. Now, back to the Knock on Sports and Anthony Knockreiner. Welcome back here to the Knock on Sports and joining me right now on the Whitefish Credit Union Hotline, good friend of the show, Richie Melby from Montana Sports as we take a look back at all the state championship games this past weekend. And the fact that we're through the fall sports season. Richie, great to chat with you once again, man. Hope you're doing well. Hallelujah. Done with the fall sports season, buddy. I wasn't sure when we were starting things off if we'd get there. We made it. We definitely did. And now we have some time to relax before we get into uh, the winter sports season. But like you said, Richie, I mean, leading up to the fall sports season, we didn't know whether we'd get through it. Obviously, there were some challenges. It wasn't a clean uh, get through the fall sports season. But at the end of the day, we're through it. We have state champions. Kids got a chance to crown themselves and uh, get some championship hardware and make some memories. Yeah, and for the most part, it was, you know, kind of throughout the, the fall sports season a little bit. A couple of teams here or there uh, quarantining just to be cautious. Some of that stemmed from school. It wasn't exactly, or, you know, it wasn't always definitively the sport itself. Um, just some exposure that was inside the classroom and, and whatnot. So, you know, we did see that a little bit. There was a couple of times we unfortunately saw it with the postseason. Uh, you looked at a couple of the postseason volleyball tournaments, you know, Missoula Big Sky having to get rid of its season. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was in the, the Western B that had to drop out right beforehand as well. So it definitely happened uh, a couple of times. But for those teams to make it clear to the finish line, you know, we saw the first, what did we see, six champions last weekend, counting the four volleyball and the two football and then wrapping it up over the weekend to, with those final three football games, um, you know. Whether you won or lost that game to make it that far and be one of the last two standing in the year 2020 that we're all going to be talking about, you know, probably for the rest of our lives, uh, having lived through this, just this strange and unusual time, uh, props to all those guys, everybody too, from, you know, from coaches, we're still seeing it obviously with teachers and school officials and stuff like that, but just for having to be on the ball, ready to change things in a moment's notice. You know, a kid comes in on Thursday and isn't available on Friday all of a sudden and just really rolling with the punches. Props to those guys for for having to really navigate through some murky water. Richie, looking at the five state champions in football, um, you know, obviously those are all very impressive teams, but there were some there were a couple first timers as well, first championships in those programs histories. For you, which state champion kind of impressed you the most or surprised you the most? When we were driving home today, I was wondering what kind of questions Anthony Knockbriner would ask me. And I bet he asked me which state champion was the biggest surprise. So I had time to think about this. <laughs> Looking back on the ones that won, yeah, you mentioned you mentioned Manhattan getting their first championship, uh, Freud Medicine Lake getting its first championship in the co-op up there. Um, you know, and so you look at both of those ones maybe maybe Freud Lake is a little more uh, surprising than, say, Manhattan, because Manhattan just dominated from the start of the year to the end of the year. Fairfield put up a heck of a fight. A couple of 
couple of turnovers if Fairfield doesn't have a couple of those, you know, the fumble interceptions, some of that kind of stuff. That game, not that it wasn't close anyway at 23-6, but it's probably a little bit closer late in the fourth quarter. Um, and I, to, the, to answer your question, this one doesn't surprise me that this team won, but in the fashion that they won against the team that I would have said was the favorite would be Laurel. Laurel blanking Billing Central 34 nothing in that championship game and just absolutely controlling from kickoff all the way through to hoisting up that trophy was certainly surprising to me just in the fashion of it. Um, and especially after the regular season, you're looking at all those Class A playoff teams and thinking, well, here goes Billing Central, right? Like that's that was certainly what I expected just after all of the results of the regular season was that Billing Central is going to go win this dang thing. And they made it that far and they played Laurel. And you figure with those two teams, especially after – the way things went in the regular season, um, you know, you figured that it was going to be closer than that. But to see a 34 to a goose egg on there was certainly surprising to me. So uh, props to, to Mike and the locomotives down there on a heck of a job in a state championship game that they drew up really, really well. Richard, do you think that changes the dynamic of that rivalry between Billing, Billing Central and Laurel? Uh, for those Billing Central kids coming back, I guarantee you because – having covered Billing Central for a lot of times, there's they remember things pretty well uh, in those kids that are coming back. So, uh, you know, I, I think it does certainly, you know, it's it's an eye-opening one, not just for those two teams, but across the state as well to see, oh, hey, now wait a minute. Laurel can go get that rivalry win and do it in a convincing fashion. Why can't, you know, insert team name here, why can't, I don't know, Frenchtown against Hamilton, or why can't, you know, you look at like the Columbia Falls rivalries over the year. You, you look at some of these ones where maybe they've been the quote unquote little brother, so to speak. Laurel's obviously got a lot of wins on its its career resume. Uh, but you look at these things and look at that and say, whoa, now, OK, when things are done right in every single facet of the game, you can have a win, not just a close win over a rival for a championship, let alone. But you just go in there and completely rock it. Um, yeah, I certainly think that it does. Like I. I said, though, you, you wonder already, I'm already looking at 2021. God, we didn't even know if we'd get through 2020, and I'm already <laughs> talking about next fall and wondering what some of those billing central sophomores and juniors on this year team, you know, how, how much are they going to just be salivating to get on the field against the Locos? Looking at another one, dropping down to Class C eight-man, Cutler finishes career, goes down to blaze of glory, wins yet another state championship with Flint Creek. What did you think about that? Boy, it would have been really rough to have to send somebody like that, uh, him and Coach Holland, sending those guys off into the sunset on a state championship loss. Um, so when you look at storylines, you think of motivation and you think of coaching the best game of your life and kids playing the best game of your life, you know, you certainly expected maybe just because of all those things, or maybe it's just the media guy in me that likes to write those sappy love story type of type of state championship recaps. I don't know. But you figured that just with everything going on, that, okay, Drummond Phillipsburg is going to have an edge here. Uh, and Scobie, you know, early on as you're watching that game and you're paying attention to what's happening and stuff, Scobie's, you know, Scobie's right there. The defense of that Flint Creek team in that state championship game, my goodness, what was it, four, four interceptions, um, a couple of turnover on downs in the second half, you know, so to uh, let alone, and then uh, the the kick return touchdown to start the second half, like whatever, whatever that halftime message, that final halftime message that uh, coach Cutler gave. Yeah. That certainly sparked things a little bit and got them rolling. So, you know, he's been 
one of the great ones. He's a great player back in the day at Granite, uh, Granite High School and uh, down there in Phillipsburg, and then obviously playing in college. Uh, we had that fun story Tom Wiley did with him and Coach Choate and Coach Thompson up at Fort Benton, and then uh, you know his coaching journey starting, I think it was Denton first, and then in Townsend and back back home and then coaching with the coach Oberweiser that was, you know, with Drummond for all those championships and then originally took over the co-op. Um, those two head coaches from Drummond and Phillipsburg coming together and, you know, coach Cutler, probably rightfully so saying coach O's got, he's got the resume to take on this co-op. Let's let him do so. And then when he stepped aside and retired and he stepped in three out of three championships in the past four years, that's a pretty impressive run for those guys. Having your son be the senior on there and, you know, just everything that went into that game, you know, congratulations to him. He's a great guy. Always, always enjoyed chatting with him, covering his games and probably more just shooting the breeze off the field and, you know, sitting in the stands of the basketball games or whatnot. Richie moving it up to double a Sentinel gets the win first time since 1972. I think the question was, is how, whether this would be a close game or a blowout. I'm glad it turned out to be a close game, but what did you think about the double a state title game? Yeah, I, I figured whichever team out of the East made it to that championship round uh, was going to be a pretty close game. And by saying the team out of the East, you know, I was looking at Billings, West, and Bozeman as being those top two teams and figuring that one of them is probably going to give Missoula Sentinel a run, and it's going to be a much closer game than they've had uh, all season long. And when Billings, West got that home field advantage and Sentinel had to drive over there, West has got a championship pedigree. There was a lot of really good players on that team, too. Figured it would be a little bit of a battle uh, for the Spartans, and that was another fun one to watch on on Friday night. And you know, Sentinel had some big plays when they really needed them. I thought the Klusewich interception, well, obviously the one in the end zone was pretty big, pretty big too. But that one that that one that essentially sealed it down the stretch. Uh, you know, just two huge plays uh, for a kid that's obviously made a lot of big plays in his career. Um, I thought that the quarterbacks played really well. I thought the ground game went really well, and then some of the catches. Good grief. Um, Zach Cruz, right? Holy cow. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, those are like the Randy Moss types of plays that you see when he's doing the Moss things on ESPN and stuff. And so it it took those kinds of plays to beat a team like Billings West and Missoula Sentinel was able to make them. So yeah, first time in 48 years, it's a pretty impressive little drought, uh, you know, for the, for the Spartans over there. And, And they did get tested. They certainly did get tested. They just made more big plays than Billings West down the stretch. And, so many athletes on that team, just so many, and not all of them, they're football athletes, but a lot of those guys that you're going to see, you know, knock on wood in the upcoming sports seasons as well, making some more noise there too. Well, speaking to that, Richie, um, you know, just taking a look back at this entire season, there's some great names. Now, obviously I know more names in the double A than I do the rest. Obviously you spend a lot of time covering them all here, but I think of guys like Junior Berg and Ken Iden, um, you know, I, I think of guys, you know, from, from that Sentinel squad, the Jace Clusa, which is the TJ Roush, you know, Dayton Bay, who had a great game as well. You think of a lot of great football players this season. I know every year has great football players, but and it just kind of feels like this year, once again, we just had some guys that we've known for the last couple of years and we're saying goodbye to them at the end of the year. Yeah, it's, uh, and we definitely do it every single year, but man, this is certainly, this is certainly a pretty special crop and some guys that made, you know, we do our top plays every Monday, um, piecing together the best plays that our cameras got or that they send into us. And certainly you mentioned junior in terms of the most electric player in Montana, just because whenever he's got the ball in his hands, which was 
every time they said hike, uh, hold on because something <laughs> crazy could happen at any moment. And that run, you know, you can go look at the top plays that we have posted right now. It was that one against Billings West where he's making division one defenders just look, you know, look like you and me out there trying to tackle them. That's not a doubt against you I'd, I'd be the linebacker that misses the tackle you were probably being blocked by a couple of offensive linemen so it's not your fault it was mine uh he just made so many great plays and you mentioned all those you know those sentinel guys it was shortly after that the next day we see Cy Sermon you know committing to the Montana Grizzlies and following that family pedigree I, you're right I thought Dayton Bay had a really really good game we mentioned the Cutlers you know Cade Cutler going off to Montana State now and it would have been fun to see him playing on a class double A field because some of those, you know, some of those small town guys, they're certainly good enough to compete at that next level. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the other small town, uh, the Brostrup kids from, from, uh, Joliet was really good. Shields Valley, um, uh, the brothers out at white sulfur Springs. There's just so many of these guys this year that were, that were so much fun to watch. And, you know, we're thankful that we got an opportunity to do it. Cause like we said, we weren't sure we'd make it this far or how far in we'd make it. And, uh, for those seniors to to get through that, um, you know, whether they made it to the championship game or whether they didn't even make it to the postseason, maybe uh, for those guys to have that chance to compete. And we were able to do it in front of some fans, at least some parents or, you know, uh, whatever it might have been. So for them to get that opportunity was certainly great. And yeah, we're the nice thing is, is we get to see a lot of those guys on familiar rosters next year as well. Well, whether it's Cats and Grizz or any of these frontier conference schools, and some of them still have decisions to make, and some of them still have other sports potentially weighing in as far as decisions to make too. Now it'll be really interesting to see. Uh, obviously, Dylan Rollins is at the top of that list of trying to figure out where he's going to go. Should be really exciting whenever yeah, he makes that announcement. You know, um, Richie, uh, looking at the winter sports season, as obviously we got pretty much a month, a couple weeks to uh, go before we see any kinds of competitions. Obviously, the practices will go here. But are you expecting to hear anything from the MHSA in terms of uh, how things are going to look, how the schedule is going to look, anything like that? Are we expecting anything from the MHSA in the coming weeks? Yeah, I certainly think so. They actually had a meeting today. Um, now, a lot of that was just going over. Uh, just going over some of their executive board stuff, they voted on, you know, on that agenda. There was a bunch of teams that were looking at dropping down from class B to eight man based on their current enrollment or, you know, the success rate that they have in there. Um, and there was a handful of them that did that. West Yellowstone, for example, went from eight man to six man. There was, there were a few of those things as far as enrollment was concerned, as far as the moving into winter sports, you know, what is it? December 7th is what we're looking at. Is that the Monday that's coming up here? Mm -hmm. Two weeks. Is that where we're at? Yeah. Two weeks from today, they'll be able to start practicing their winter sports. Uh, and that'll take them right through the holidays as well. So I would think that as that's going on, they're probably going to be getting some, you know, keeping track of the, the county health stuff and probably getting some results of things. You know, how are things going at class AA level, class C level, everything in between and looking and seeing, you know, are we having teams? spreading this amongst themselves in practice are we doing good right now and then if, if things are doing good then you know the goal is to to move forward like we did with the the postseason in those fall sports let's get things rolling on january 2nd if teams wanted to schedule things on january 2nd uh, we've got spectators that would be allowed uh, you know that's obviously up to the local city and county health departments there as to how many of those spectators if any but because that's certainly you know, that's certainly been an issue. You look at the hockey league that's in Montana right now. Missoula can't play at home. Great Falls couldn't have spectators. Uh, Missoula and Great Falls actually played here in Helena on Friday 
because they couldn't play in Missoula. So it, it's certainly the spectators are certainly being affected at other levels. I've seen a bunch of youth leagues that aren't able to play right now as well uh, because of some of those. For now, schools and school activities have been exempt from some of these things. Whether or not that stays, I think, depends on how high or how low that number of the daily cases and the total active cases jumps or dips. Um, but the MHSA is going to keep an eye on that. And I would think, you know, it would probably be either right before or right after the Christmas break, really looking and saying, all right, we're, you know, the goal hopefully is to say nothing. If they say nothing, then we're moving forward with everything as, you know, two thumbs up. So fingers crossed on that. Right now, we are with Richie Melby from Montana Sports. Richie, my last question for you. Uh, again, just taking a look back. You know, last year I saw you at, at Montana State when uh, the uh, 139th version of this game, Cat Grizz, was played in Bozeman. How weird was it for you Saturday? I know you cover a lot of games, and you might have been at a high school game instead of that game, but how weird was it no Montana-Montana State game on the on the weekend of before Thanksgiving? Yeah, definitely weird. And it was those final two weekends were weird anyways, because normally we have one game on Friday night, the class AA state championship. Then you have your other four plus cat Grizz on Saturday. So just from a planning standpoint of trying to figure out where can we take all the people on our team and put them in the best spot to give us the best coverage to provide the people, you know, that's always a bit of a chess match trying to figure that out. Like who can come from where and whatnot and what do the roads look like? That's always an issue in November. So the, the pre-planning part of it was certainly weird because normally that's what's going through my head is trying to figure out which can I go to, which can so-and-so go to, and not having to do that was certainly strange. But then on the actual day of, you know, we already had two championships in the books the week before, so it was like, gosh, three championship games? Like, we could use a Cat Grizz game right now because we have so <laughs> many people that it'd be nice to send them to something like that. Yeah, it was it was certainly weird. It was, you know, I think all of, all of the media outlets did some kind of story. You know, we called it the, the memoriam. There's no Cat Grizz this year. It's our memoriam of Cat Grizz in 2020. Uh, and, you know, just chatting with a couple of the coaches. Other ones chatted with fans and just everybody, I think, kind of as it got closer to it, it was like, whoa, this is certainly strange that we're not playing on this Saturday afternoon in November. So uh, it was a bummer. You know, now the fingers are crossed that we get it. I can't remember the date in March that they've got it scheduled for. They've obviously got all those rivalry games the the same weekend, the Big Sky. Um, you know, and then they had the the one bye week to try and make it up if they couldn't play those rivalry games. So the fingers are crossed, and we're now setting our sights on that date instead. Should be really exciting, and I'm sure we will chat with Richie about that when that time comes. Richie Melby joining us here on the Whitefish Credit Union Hotline. Richie, if they want to follow your guys' work, how can they do that? MontanaSports.com will have the uh, content from around the state and then social media at Richie Melby, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. Uh, we'll go have some fun on there too. Richie, always a pleasure. Really appreciate it as always, my friend. Great to chat with you once again, and I look forward to doing so here soon. Thanks so much, buddy. Have a good Thanksgiving.